we have focused very heavily on our terpene extraction as part of our intellectual property and being able to kind of capture the essence of a cannabis strain, put it into a high potency, high quality vape technology in order to kind of bring to market, especially in 2016, like kind of a game changing delivery system and a game changing experience for the consumer. And I think it was through the quality of the product that we were creating, the fact that we had paid attention to the branding in a sense that allowed really the consumer to organically grow the brand very early on. You're listening to To Be Blunt, the podcast for cannabis marketers, where your host Shada Taravi and her guests are trailblazing the path to marketing, educating, and professionalizing cannabis. Light one up and listen up. Here's your host, Shada Taravi. Hey everybody, it's your host, Shada Tarabi. And today is a milestone because we made it to episode 10. Let me just say from the bottom of my heart, putting on this podcast is an opportunity that I cherish. And I just thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this episode. I really, truly hope everyone listening walks away from these episodes with a deeper understanding and excitement for where cannabis is growing in America. And I couldn't be more stoked to share today's guest. Troy Meadows is the co-founder and CMO of Legion of Bloom, a Northern California-based cannabis company founded by farmers with over 50 combined years of experience who are dedicated to crafting and educating consumers by producing high-quality cannabis products with eco-conscious cultivation and extraction processes. In short, they make really badass vape and cartridge products that have won them several prestigious cannabis awards, including first place at the Emerald Cup in 2019 for their distillate cartridge. Legion also emphasizes the benefits of terpenes, and Troy is going to share how Legion became one of California's legendary cannabis brands. Let's welcome Troy to the show. Thanks for having me on the podcast. Legion of Boom really started with a dream of me and five of my friends. We were all medical cultivators in the California cannabis market prior to the passing of Prop 64, which is ultimately opened the door for a recreational cannabis market in California. I mean, back in 2015, we were looking at the regulations, kind of looking at the draft proposals, seeing what it was going to look like to operate an organization, operate a business in the new world of cannabis. And you know, for us, I think it was pretty easy, you know, joining forces and, and being many, having a strong foundation with a solid crew of individuals who are willing to do what it takes to kind of build something from the ground up. You know, building a brand and creating a real voice in the industry was going to be a lot easier with the five of us together, as opposed to just trying to be individual farmers in an ever-changing environment. So, you know, that was kind of the antithesis. We got together and Late 2015, a lot of like roundtable discussions, a lot of just kind of figuring out how do we bootstrap this, um, how do, how do we really build it, and you know, the need for a brand became pretty omnipresent for us. And I think it's something a lot of us have been thinking about in the past, but was you know the way the the landscape was prior to Prop 64 was, you know, building a brand wasn't necessarily like the thing you wanted to do from a a regulatory standpoint, but ultimately with the new regulations, it kind of opened the door for us to do that. So we really, we kind of started the brand off in, in 2016, launched our first product in 2016, and and really just started preparing the company for uh, when the regulations were going to come into effect in 2018. So that's, you know, it's, it's we're founded by farmers. We like to, we like to say that a lot at Legion of Bloom. You know, it's me and like I said, five of some of my best friends. I've known some of my co-founders for almost 20 years, so. I love that you bring up the importance of creating a brand. And obviously this podcast is really emphasizing the marketing aspect of cannabis, but I think so many people go into it maybe with the end result, which is a product and not really thinking about how they're going to tell that product's story. And so I think to contrast that too with I think it's a national conversation, right? The landscape is you have a lot of people who are passionate about the plant on a cultivation level. They might have the expertise to care for the plant, make a really great quality strain, maybe even some of the science and the extraction aspect of it. But to go from the cultivation to an actual brand is a pretty big jump. I mean, help our listeners kind of understand, did anybody come with a marketing background? Did you hire an agency to help you with your brand? What was the 
we're farmers, we want to grow, we have this idea to bring really high quality cannabis to market, end up with Legion of Bloom. And like you said, you're creating a lot of, you know, content now around this brand, but what were the connecting pieces to get you there? Sure. I mean, I think a lot of the history of the founders kind of came into play there. You know, we have a few musicians who have all been a part of bands, you know, and there's like, if you look at how you build a band, it's like the band is the brand, right? So there was a lot of that that kind of came to the table early on. I think our CEO, now now CEO, Russ Wiseman, he definitely had like kind of the name in mind as far as, you know, Legion of Bloom. It was really strong when 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 we were throwing the name around. It was like, well, that that resonates, you know, and it and it hits a couple different I would say buckets that you, you know, it's something that the consumer can resonate with. I think there's a lot of, there's a, it's a, it's an entendre there. So I think a lot of people can kind of resonate with the name itself, but then it also represents, you know, who we are. We are a legion of farmers that, that came together to create something, hopefully create something really special. And I think, you know, the, the branding aspect, as much as like, you know, we all come from a farming background, we were all farmers there was a lot of different things that that we were all doing as far as side projects and and things that kind of leads toward you know how do you build a brand and how do you tell a story and i think it was pretty i mean it was pretty easy for us in the very beginning to say like the brand will be what we wrap our success around right there will be a lot of things that happen and a lot of irons that go into the fire as as we kind of grow this thing but at the end of the day we saw very early on that like not having a brand would be a detriment to our growth in the industry. And so I think from there, you know, I have a background in film and video production. So to be honest, I got the marketing job, right? It's kind of one of those things like who's going to wear what hats. As far as the organization goes, all of my founders are, are operating directors in different departments of the organization. So we all like, we very much all have a lot of skin in the game and we, we have a lot of drive to keep pushing each other to kind of be the best people we can be as, as we evolve as humans. And the brand has been a big catalyst for that evolution for every single one of us. So, Yeah. And before we started recording, which I wanted to kind of bring up in the conversation, you were talking about the team size and just being really close knit and really small and people, you know, I guess doing a lot with a little. And so I think touching on that aspect of how to be creative when it comes to creating a brand that really is set apart doesn't always require a lot of teams, a lot of budgets. I mean, you're pretty much living proof that if you have a really great high quality product and a group of people who are dedicated to taking it to market and smart branding that you really can execute on a shoestring budget. Yeah. And I mean, you kind of mentioned it, I think in the beginning, our biggest focus was on the user experience and the end user experience. We have focused very heavily on our terpene extraction as part of our intellectual property and being able to kind of capture the essence of a cannabis strain, put it into a high potency, high quality vape technology in order to kind of bring to market, especially in 2016, like kind of a game changing delivery system and, and a game changing experience for the consumer. And I think it was through the quality of the product that we were creating, the fact that we had paid attention to the branding in a sense that allowed really the consumer to organically grow the brand very early on. So it was definitely a a classic example of time versus product market fit uh, versus, you know, a high quality experience for the consumer that was, that was different would be a good way. I mean, it was different and better than anything else that they had tried in the past. And and that kind of allowed us to cement a name for ourselves in the industry. And we've just kind of tried to leverage that as much as possible. And, and for us, it's always been about the end user experience. First and foremost, you know, we don't put a lot of uh, clout into glitz and glamour. For us, it's about education. It's about making sure people know who we are, where we come from. The fact that we're all farmers really allows us to lean into what that experience should be for the consumer. And, you know, early on, it was like, well, if we like it, everyone else should probably like it too. And that's kind of what we leaned into. And then ultimately, we've, we've definitely evolved over the last five years as, as we've been growing the brand to kind of get feedback from different places. But for the most part, I mean, if it doesn't taste good, it's not going to go out. And that's ultimately what's really helped to grow the brand. And then, you know, we focus very strongly in the beginning on our retail family, you know, in California and the regulated market, I can't go direct to consumer. I have to work with regulated retailers in the cannabis space. We control a lot of verticals in cannabis and, you know, we do our own distribution. We do our own manufacturing. We do 
a lot of our own extraction. We also do cultivation and work with a handful of farm partners. So we control a lot of how the product gets to market. We control a lot of our supply chain. But at the end of the day, you know, building those strong relationships with our retailers and, and, and making sure that the retailers understood the, the message and what we're trying to, to put into the market. Um, I think that was also instrumental in building the brand. So. Yeah, I think that's a really important piece too for people who are listening, just as we're having we, the collective we, you're now part of the we of this podcast, but as we're having these dialogues and these conversations, just people to really understand the different dynamics that fluctuate from state to state and also product to product or even aspect of the industry. So obviously you have a product, but it sounds like you're doing multiple touch points or multiple types of opportunities really with cannabis. So you have like your product, which is ultimately, it sounds like you do vape. I saw on the website, you have some skincare products as well as just like selling bud. But in terms of extraction, do you offer any of those types of I guess, do you do extraction for other brands or are you really just doing extraction for yourself? We focus on just doing extraction for ourselves for the most part. And we focus very heavily on our terpene extraction. So that kind of allows us to make sure that the quality of the products, I mean, I think there's a big focus on THC with the consumer. And that's something that, you know, we're going to start working toward changing. You know, we've always kind of focused on terpenes as being a, a driving factor in the experience that you have with cannabis. And I mean, you can kind of relate that back to a lot of stuff that's been going on with aromatherapy, a lot of stuff with essential oils for, I mean, centuries. And the way that terpenes and cannabinoids kind of work together to kind of drive that user experience, you know, I like to say the terpenes are kind of the driver, you know, like I have a car analogy that we use in our education sessions that I think is, is really interesting, but like THC is like the accelerator, right? CBD is like mm. the brake, but it's really the terpenes that are kind of picking the direction you're going to go. They're really steering that user experience. And that's you know, we put a lot of focus on the website, a lot of focus on just doing terpene testing on all of our products. So if you look at the back of a Legion of Bloom product, you'll, you'll see the top 10 terpenes listed. You know, we pay extra to have that testing panel done so that way we can kind of use that to kind of help market to, to the consumer. So if, if a consumer is avid with terpenes, they know what they want, they can find what they want. And if you're new to cannabis and you're starting to realize, you know, what is this thing? What are these things called terpenes? you can kind of start to experiment. You can say, well, I really liked the limoline in this one. Like I really like this specific flavor. And I think, I think it's all about flavor. It always has been for us. And I think it's, it's very, very important to the consumer. I mean, you know, you can, you can buy something that says 95% THC, but when you take it home and you try it, if it doesn't, if it doesn't do the trick, as far as the flavor goes, are you really going to want to put it back in your mouth and, and, and try it again or put it back in your pipe and smoke it again? Likely because you paid for it. But when you go back to the, to the market, when you go back to the retailer, you're probably going to look for something else. And I think, you know, that's the, the next step in the evolution for the consumer is, you know, how do we get the consumer to understand that the difference in an 80% THC vape and a 90% THC vape is negligible on your experience because it's all about the terpenes that are really driving that user experience. So, you know, it's a long way of coming back to your question, but I mean, for us, you know, we really focus first and foremost on terpenes to, to help kind of craft that exceptional experience with our cannabis vape products. And, you know, we're definitely heavy with vape. It was the first thing we came out with. It's what we're known for in the market. But we also have uh, indoor cultivation that we've been working on over the last couple of years. It's it's up and running. It's about 50% built out, but that will allow us to further control our supply chain, but also, you know, bring out, you know, some more of the flour. And we're also distributors. So we distribute for a handful of brands. So we have a, a sun grown brand that we work with, and we also have an edible brand that we work with. So we kind of, you know, we focus on the vape. We learned early on that if you try to do too much, you kind of spread yourself out really thin. So, you know, for us, we've just kind of continued to focus on the vape category. And then we brought in some really amazing brands that can help fill in that sun-grown productized flower and pre-roll. And then ultimately that the edible um, silo as well. So. Got it. That helps clarify things. Cause yeah, I think there's a lot of, not that it's like confusion, but it's just like hard to understand and navigate sometimes like what brands are actually doing the whole like seed to sale, who they're, you know, maybe sourcing from. And not that I think any is the right or wrong way to approach it. It's just very fascinating when you start to get to hear from brands, how they're doing their operations and to kind of dive into terpenes a little bit, because I like to think that I know a lot about terpenes, but 
I really probably don't know nearly as much as I would like to, but I think terpenes are an interesting one because like you said, it really is the driver for the experience. And so I know there's a lot of articles coming out right now, specifically from like Leafly that are saying, you know, you've been buying marijuana wrong. THC count doesn't matter. I think introducing hemp into the dialogue, especially coming from Texas, we sell a lot of industrial hemp for people to smoke. I sell CBD vape cartridges. We just started selling Delta eight cartridges. You know, there's all these different types of cannabinoids and also delivery mechanisms that people are getting exposed to. But specifically when it comes to the THC and the other cannabinoids and the terpenes, people from a hemp perspective even are like, well, this isn't going to give me the effect I'm looking for. And I'm, there's a threshold as a marketer for what I can and can't say, right? You know that, especially in this industry, but being able to one, use terpenes as a way to have that conversation, because I think there's a little bit more science behind terpenes when it comes to maybe something uplifting or more for like pain management or anxiety. But then I think you do have consumers who they get it in their head. You know, it's got to be this percentage. It has to be this much THC or it's not going to be effective. And I'm just really, one as a consumer excited because I'm learning so much because, you know, for example, I was just in Colorado And I mentioned before the podcast started, I do enjoy vaping and I buy a lot of concentrated vape products. And one, I think educating consumers is kind of the name of the game in cannabis in general. But I think when it comes to these newer types of products, not that vaping is new, but I think most consumers are familiar with, you know, smokable flour and then edibles and maybe topicals and vaping is discreet, but still maybe new to people, especially with, I think, some of the stigma around vaping. But I bought, you know, six or seven different cartridges and some were very nicely branded, but you couldn't tell what was in the product. And aside from, you know, maybe like their THC or CBD percentages, but there wasn't a lot of information. And so I just think there's a lot of room for brands to really be closing the gap and to help control that conversation. And I just think your brand has done a really good job of that. I was browsing your social media and just seeing the pictures of the backs of your cartridges and all that information. It's it's not just like you're giving consumers the information. It sounds like you're also giving them the information and then trying to further point them towards how they can best understand it. And so I wanted to kind of dive into terpenes and why you think they're important aside from what you just said, but maybe more, you know, how as a marketing approach you use terpenes to control that conversation and then give us some terpene tips. What should consumers be conscious of? So from a marketing perspective, like how do we start thinking about terpenes in our marketing? So I think as you know, a cultivator for around 17 years before we started the brand, when you cultivate cannabis, you really get to be really intimate with the plant, right? So you know, I've found over the years certain strains that I am just I'm in love with, right? And I love cannabis in general, but there are a handful of particular sativas that I just, I mean, I go I, I go gaga for. It's like it's what I want, and I think it's everything is is personal in every experience. And I think that's something that the medical field is starting to really lean toward now, which I think is super important, but like it's, everything is an in of one. Everyone is, is specific and unique. And the very cool thing about cannabis is we've been breeding this strain for so long and you're able to kind of pull out so many different nuances in the terpene profiles as you breed different strains. And What makes cannabis very unique is the number of terpenes that are really associated with the cannabis plant. I mean, there are over 400 terpenes on the planet. Uh, Each specific strain has between 60 and 80 different terpenes in them. Now, you know, the top 10 terpenes are going to represent the highest percentage of the actual terpene content. But the fact that you have a specific plant that's on this planet that contains such a robust number of, let's just say, flavor inputs you can do so many different things. And that's why you can literally have cannabis strains that taste like this synthetic Jolly Rancher watermelon flavor or strawberry, like the new strawberry banana strains that legitimately taste like you're drinking dull apple juice. I mean, that's very unique to cannabis and you're not going to get that in another plant. Like if you take lavender, for example, lavender contains probably 10 to 20 different terpenes, very high in lanolol. So that's why lavender is also like really good as a sedative and people have been using it, like making lavender pillows and like using it, you put, you know, a little essential oil on your temples to help you kind of relax and go to sleep. Well, lanolol is known for really bringing it down a notch and really taking you into this like very mellow space. And so it's very interesting when you find, you know, a lot of specific indicas that kind of have that 
blueberry or purple kind of flavor, right? I like to call it, and it's weird to call a color a flavor, but uh, at the end of the day, they're really high in lanolol. So there's this interesting correlation with like why indicas are known for being really good for relaxing, right? Because most indicas contain high levels of lanolol, high levels of myrcene, high levels of known sedatives. These are, these are terpenes that are known for being very sedative. And then if you look at sativas, sativas have a lot more uplifting fruit, trop, almost like tropical fruit flavors. And most of those terpenes, your uh, terpenol, uh, alpha pinene, beta pinene, uh, limaline, like all these terpenes are known for being uh, extremely uplifting in, in their effects. So there's, there's this interesting correlation where we call it sativas, we call it indica, we call them hybrids, but ultimately like it's these different flavor profiles that are coming from the unique number of terpenes and the unique profile of terpenes in every single strain that's really bringing this out for the consumer. But I think going back to the individual is like, I love sativas. I don't have a problem sleeping. I work really hard. I train really hard. I consider myself an athlete as well. So like at the end of the day, when my head hits the pillow, I go to sleep. But what I need cannabis for is to help with regulating inflammation response, um, uplifting uh, my headspace when I'm just like feeling pretty down during the day, depending on when you hit that midday lull. A lot of people who are dealing with different pain and aches, uh, ailments, they like their indicas because it really does bring a more of a body high. A lot of that has to do with the terpenes. A lot of it has to do with the combination of cannabinoids as well. It's not just about THC. It's not just about CBD. I mean, there's so many different variations of the CB and the TH out there that, you know, these different combinations along with the terpenes really provide like a unique experience for the consumer. And that's what I think makes cannabis really amazing, but also extremely intimidating for the consumer, right? So they just don't know what they're going to get. And it does require a little bit of experimentation. That's where I think the vape platform for ingesting cannabinoids is, is I think it's unique in a sense that you can really sip on it, you know, like you can, you can really microdose your experience. You know, we work with a brand partner packs, they allow you to kind of set the dose rate. If you use their application, you can set the temperature to the degree. I mean, I think all of these things allow the consumer, if you're really wanting to play with your cannabis experience to like bring different terpenes out because different terpenes volatize at different temperatures, but also, you know, kind of set, like, I know it has a, it has a dose counter too. So it tells you how many times in half an hour you've actually hit, hit the device. So it's like, you can kind of say, I feel like this. Why do I feel like this? Oh, well I hit my PAX era device 10 times in the last 30 minutes this is why I feel like this. Right. So it's like, you can kind of make these correlations, but like going back to like how the consumer can educate themselves on terpenes. I mean, it's really about what works for you and what are you looking to get out of cannabis? Right. And so it's like, you need something to bring you down at the end of the night. I would suggest moving toward these terpenes that are known for being sedative. You're probably going to want to move to more toward an indica and you're going to want to be okay with hitting your flower, hitting your vape pen, taking in an edible if it's, if it's kind of a strain type specific or, or a terpene infused edible and being okay with maybe not making it through that episode on Netflix, you know, like maybe it puts you down on the couch because that's what you were looking for. And if you're looking for something that you need to manage pain day to day, you're probably going to want to look for a hybrid that has a, a combination of terpenes that also contain some of these uplifting terpenes I mentioned before. And then if you're just like, if you're always on the grind and you need something that you can just consume constantly, that's not going to keep your head in a fog. That's where I think the, you know, really heady, heady sativas come into play. So, you know, it's, it's interesting that we have these three terms that represent three different types, you know, but because there's 60 to 80 different terpenes, you can really kind of, I mean, it's like paint by numbers for yourself. Like you can really figure this out. You can say, I really love the way these specific terpenes make me feel, but it's ultimately an experiment, you know, and everyone's going to have to kind of experiment for themselves. And that's why we try to draw that content out and we try to give the consumer the ability to make those decisions for themselves. You know, we, we published a, a five part series on our blog uh, that highlighted the top 10 terpenes in cannabis. And then that blog content actually lives as a standalone page on the website as well. So if someone comes to the website, they can see, you know, talking terpenes at the title bar and they can kind of dive in. I mean, it's, it's robust. It's, you know, several thousand word, words about terpenes. So you really have to want to like kind of get into it. But I mean, you can pick out the terpenes that, that you're interested in. You can kind of get a basic understanding of what these terpenes do. 
where they come from in nature, what they're used for in other applications besides cannabis. So you can kind of, like you were saying, you can draw on the terpenes and the science behind it to kind of say, it's not going to be exactly the way this plays out with cannabis, but at the end of the day, like these experiences are similar as they cross over from things like aromatherapy into things like the way they work with cannabinoids, you know, and then you were talking about the CBD market. You know, we have a CBD rich product. It's a, it's a topical product that you talked about the Zana line and we use a lot of specific essential oils. It's all Ayurvedic based, but the, the idea here is that the essential oils and the terpenes that are present in these essential oils are going to work with the CBD to help amplify that effect and help bring what the consumer is looking for based on the product. So we have a, a product line that's really meant for helping people manage, um, you know, aches and pains. And then we have a product that's more of a, a facial serum that's supposed to help to rich in antioxidants. So the idea is it helps to nourish and tone the skin. And I mean, you know, I think you have a brand in CBD. So, you know, this whole structure versus what is it form versus structure or structure versus function as a marketer, you have to really manage the verbiage that's going on to your packaging, that's going on to your website. And you want to make sure that people understand like this doesn't cure X, Y, and Z. This is formulated to help you manage maybe this specific thing, or, or it's, this is formulated to help you manage uh, an ailment it's not a panacea. Like it's not just going to cure everything that's wrong with you. But I think a holistic approach to life with cannabis is a really good way for individuals to find, you know, their balance and, and also to kind of find like a really good flow with their own existence on the planet. So if like you're eating a whole food diet and you're varying uh, the number, the foods that are going into your body, plus you're making sure you're consuming high quality cannabis to help manage inflammation and kind of like take the edge off with your aches and pains, and then ultimately like get you in the right headspace so you can feel good about yourself. There's really something strong to be said about just feeling good about yourself. And and, and if you're if you're walking through through life and and you got your head held up high and you're like, man, I'm I'm just really loving this life that I'm living. You're gonna love the life that you live, and your body's gonna like take that in, and, and it's it's gonna you know reciprocate that for you, and and you're just gonna feel better, you know. So I think people get. In a, into a downward spiral of always looking for the next thing that's going to help whatever it is that they have. And I think there's, there's so many different avenues of life that you really have to have dialed in if, if, if you're going to, um, you know, if, if you're going to have a really, really happy holistic uh, experience on the planet. So not to get a little woo woo on, on the podcast with you there. It woo woo. That was great. No, I'm on the same page. I think it's refreshing to hear from your perspective of just one, the importance of terpenes, because I do believe when you look at the science behind them, like obviously they're prevalent in nature and in such a saturated amount in cannabis, like that has to mean something, but there's obviously a disconnect between the science and the consumer education, awareness, application. I mean, I feel like every podcast I throw myself under the bus, so to speak, but you know, I smoke a lot of cannabis products and I consume a lot of cannabis products and the amount of information that I didn't have access to just five years ago. I mean, you would go to a dispensary and I wasn't asking, you know, I'm one of the other question I have for you too, is like the ingredients. Like I wasn't asking propylene glycol, vegetable glycerin in my vapes. Are they live resin? I just wanted to buy a vape because I wanted to get high before I went to the mountain skiing. You know, it's like you had this consumer prior to the legal market really that I think was just looking for access to cannabis. And I think there's obviously the very real application of the medicinal market where there are a lot of people who are in chronic pain and looking for real plant-based medicine. But as somebody who loves the plant, has had fun with the plant, you know, it's always been good to me. There was such a disconnect of well, like, but why does this work? Or why do I, why do I like sativa over indica or, you know, just what are these different dynamics? And so I think getting into hemp has pushed me into the discussion of trying to navigate and understand, but it's not just me, right? I think the consumers as both marijuana and hemp continue to get more mainstream, they have questions. They want to know, I mean, you're talking about diets. I practice a paleo diet. I don't like processed, refined you know, ingredients. So I constantly am reading ingredient labels. Well, when it comes to cannabis products, again, I, I wasn't doing that prior, but now, now that I know what terpenes are, you better believe when I'm going to these legal states, I want the CBD blend because I know how powerful CBD is. And so 
I know I'm saying a lot, but hopefully painting a picture for you and everybody listening to just the disconnect from a brand to a consumer when it comes to, I used to not give a shit for lack of a better word. And now I'm being encouraged to care. And so it's really cool when you have brands like yourself. And I think that our brand from a CBD perspective is, is considerate of it too. What are the different components that make cannabis work? You know, it's not always just about getting high. It's like you said, like there's different aspects, whether it's recovery, pain, anxiety. And I think equipping consumers with that information only continues to build your brand because consumers trust you. It's like listening to you talk. It's very clear to hear, you know what you're talking about. So if I was going to go buy vapes from somebody when I'm in California, I'm probably more likely going to go buy your vapes because I trust what you're saying. And that's not to say that the other brands maybe aren't quality, but it's like, how do you go tell that brand story? So the consumer starts to think of it for themselves. And the last point I'll make that you brought up is it is such a game of one. Every day I have consumers come into my retail shop and they say, I want the CBD flower for sleep or for pain or for uplifting. And I'm like, like, it's so personal. It's like asking me what alcohol is going to make you drunk in theory, all alcohol, but you might really not like whiskey and I might really love whiskey. And those will affect our bodies very differently if we start taking shots tit for tat. And so it's like having to paint that picture and educate consumers. So yeah, we've adopted a lot of analogies to help consumers understand that, but I don't know if there's anything you want to add from anything I just said, but I think you guys are obviously doing a really good job navigating that conversation. Yeah. Thank you. I mean, to go back to the alcohol tangent, I mean, it's all ethanol, right? That's what's actually creating the experience as it gets metabolized into your liver and, and, and moves through your bloodstream. But ultimately there's so many like tannins, flavonoids, uh, different constituents that are existing in these different, you know, whether you're talking about high octane, you know, proof liquor, or you're talking about wine, which is going to have it, it you know, the flavonoid content, the tannin content in wine is very similar in the way it works in the body as terpenes work in cannabis. And then if you look at beer, I mean, beer, it's mostly, I mean, it's hops and it's malt, it's barley. I mean, hops is full of mercine. So you better believe that there's high mercine content in just about every beer you're drinking. And mercine is known for as a sedative. So there's a reason why people like drink beer and it kind of relaxes and chills them out. It's like a little bit different experience. And let's say if you're drinking, you know, rice wine, um, you know, sake, which is a much more cleaner, a very like up, almost uplifting experience for some. So, I mean, I think to each their own and, and that's where, you know, coming back to the cannabis thing is like, you, you said it, you have people coming into your retail store and they're like, well, I needed to do X, Y, and Z and, or X, right? You're like I needed to solve for X and you're like, cool, well, here are three or four things that you should probably try. One of these things will likely bring you the effect you're looking for. And then it's also a conversation about, well, what's your favorite way? Uh, what's your, what's the way you want to ingest it? Right. Cause not everyone wants to smoke, you know, not everyone wants to eat it uh, depending on what, what ingredients are in it. So it's just like, you know, like you, 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 when you were talking about ingredient lists and diets, like I'm, I'm mostly plant-based. I eat a little bit of meat, you know, for the longest time, like, if you're trying to kind of change the inputs that are going into your body in any way, shape or form, like you're reading the ingredients. And I think what's happening is the consumer in the beginning, the consumer came to the market and the consumer was like, I'm buying this from a regulated shop. It has to be good. Right. And I think there's a huge disconnect between what technology people are using, how they're cultivated. If you're talking about vape, I mean, in the beginning when we launched the Monarch, which is our, our cannabis drive terpene, um, high THC, uh, formulated cartridges, there was a change in the technology that allowed us to use a wickless system, right? And so what you didn't have to use in your formulization was an expellerant. You didn't have to include the VG, the PG, the MCT oils. And something that we heavily marketed in the beginning was like, we don't use these things because as owners of the company, we wouldn't put this in our body. So why would we give it to you? And, you know, one thing, and it kind of goes back to the quality of product and kind of full circle back to the very beginning of the question is like, we're always asking ourselves when we're formulating, like, would I share this with my mother? Would I share this with my grandmother? Would I share this with the people I love and care about the most? Because if the answer to that isn't hell yes, this product does not make it to the market because we're here to help people at the end of the day. Like we are a recreational cannabis company, but we come from a medical uh, cultivation background. So like I still refer to people as patients constantly, even though like most people are just consumers and like, but for us, 
if you if you find Legion, you should right off the bat, you should without having to find our website or without having to even look at the packaging, when you try the product, it should be a noticeable difference. And you should say, wow, whoever is behind this brand really cares about the product that they're putting out there. And, you know, in the beginning, we marketed heavily, like we're not using these things. Oh, by the way, did you know that a lot of these things are actually in the vape products that you're consuming? And people were like, oh, like, wow. Okay. Like, and so I think that was kind of a, a fundamental shift that happened. I think, you know, in that 2016, 2017, where a lot of formalizations changed, a lot of people kind of got on board with the new tech that was, that, that was available. And I, I think it changed the, the industry for the better. There's a lot of like, you talked about people being a little scared of vape. I think it just comes down to really vetting your brands very carefully and, and that level of transparency, which is, which is something we've always kind of leaned into. I mean, we weren't required to, to batch test product until 2018. We batch tested product in 2006. Every single product we've ever put to market has had a batch number, that, a, a unique identifier that we created in-house. So that way we knew what products were going into market. Each one of those batch numbers were, 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 had certificate of analysis or COAs, but were tested using the same lab now that we use then. It's SC Labs is, is you know, I'm going to say it. They're the best lab in California, in my opinion. Um, but they also have played the long game just like we have to, to add transparency. And, you know, they have a great portal where we can link all of our test results right to the bottom of our website. So you can find it if you want it. If, you, if you're holding a Legion of Bloom product, you can find that unique identifying number, which is required by law in 2018 to be on your product. But you can actually match that to the COA on our website. You can find it very easily. And then, you know, I, I mentioned PAX before, but they have an amazing platform with their application where they actually link the COAs to the specific pod. They have this smart pod technology where when you put the pod into their new Era Pro device, it just populates that content right in front of you for you to see as a consumer. So there's definitely, I mean, for us, transparency has been key in, in really building, um, you know, just trust in the market. And I think that's, what's super important. Um, you know, I'm over here in California, brands have come and go. I've been in this industry for five years. I've watched, I, I can name off a dozen brands right now that in 2015, I was like, man, these guys, we need to watch out for these guys. These guys are going to be, you know, watch out. And then they're not here anymore. But I think what was allowed us to succeed is it's a small team. We're scrappy. We've dealt with a lot of adversity. I mean, I don't want to go off on tangents, but we had our entire outdoor farm in 2015 burned down in the Sonoma County wildfires. We've had to deal with the kind of existential crisis that it either makes or breaks a company. And it's those kind of things that bring us, have brought us together and allowed us to really like galvanize around this idea that like we're here to do really great things and, and produce amazing products. But, you know, going back to like education, we focus really heavily with our retail family partners, our family of retail brands and, and companies that we work with. You know, we just rolled out a, an education platform through Zoom. It's a live webinar where we actually, you know, slide by slide educate about each product. We talk heavily about terpenes. We, we try to teach the cannabis consultant that are actually engaging with the consumer on a what we try to get to them on a one-on-one -on -one basis in order for them to understand like, this is the brand. This is where we come from. This is why we think all of this is important. Really instill the why. Instill some of the what as well as far as the transparency behind testing and, and the quality of the product. But ultimately, you know, make sure that that cannabis consultant that's at the retail floor is, is armed with enough education to really drive the consumer to make the right decision in the market. And I mean, it, going back to what you were saying about really not knowing in the beginning, and then now people are like really looking at the ingredients. I think that's just what comes with a mature market. You know, uh, when I was growing up, no one cared about what the ingredients of food. And it took like decades of people realizing like, oh, this mass produced commercial farming this like processed food movement that we've been that we dealt with in the eighties and nineties. It really started back in the, in the 1930s and forties. I mean, it's ultimately killing us. Right. And so it really took a lot of education. Now, I mean, we're in 2020 and 30 years later and people are like, who is, I mean, I don't know anyone that doesn't look at the ingredients in their food. Right. So that, that took a really long time, but cannabis is in a vacuum and we're moving and it, it, the acceleration that's happening in this industry is, is omnipresent. It's, it's like warp speed. So I think the education for the consumer, I think that's something that is kind of the, it's always going to be there, but I think that's something that a lot of brands who aren't focused on the glitz and the glam, they're the, these brands are the brands that were focusing on the education aspect and making sure that people understood like, you know, 
Celebrity endorsements only get you so far. Quality of product and transparency is, is really going to be the key to success. And, and for us, I say it all the time in, market, in, in the marketing that we do, it's consistency over time equals success. So we're just going to continue to do you know, what we do best in order to keep growing this thing as organically as possible. And that's been kind of the big driving goal and a big strategy of ours you know, with, with the marketing of the brand. So. Yeah, you can absolutely tell. I mean, like I said earlier, from your expertise to just the execution of the brand through the packaging and the information that's available to consumers, it really sounds like, you know, we're just scratching the surface on what this plant can do. And so to be able to deliver it in a way that's meaningful to you and your team, while also helping the consumers feel like they're a part of that family, they're a part of that legion that you're building and really equip them to be advocates for themselves and be really in control of the plant. I think that's the most beautiful thing is to not just be consuming something blindly, but to really understand, hey, when I use this particular strain or I like this particular strain because this terpene is in it and I notice that that terpene gives me this effect that I'm looking for. I mean, I look forward to a day where we can walk into a dispensary and, you know, of course, brands still exist, but maybe one of the brands is I want a little bit of this percentage of this cannabinoid and I want a little bit of this percentage of this terpene and really getting into custom blends and custom experiences for consumers to have the most control over how cannabis could be effective for them. Yeah, I think uh, I saw this thing. You like fill out a survey and then they send you like a perfume or a cologne that's based on your specific wants and needs. And I thought that was very, very interesting. And it definitely got me running down the rabbit hole of when cannabis is a little more direct to consumer and how you can maybe produce custom formulizations. And obviously that we're a long way off from that. I mean, just, just the, the hiccups in supply chain to do that kind of creation and one-off formulization is, is it's kind of mind blowing. I, I could, we could talk an hour about just that in particular. Um, but it did get me thinking like, you know, when you really know what you like, and that's what I think is really cool, bringing it back to the individual strains, like when you find a strain that you like, man, it's, it's hard not to want to just keep going back to it, you know? Um, and that's, that's what I think is really cool about cannabis. Like we've been creating so many unique strains. And if you think about the human, there's everyone's unique, everyone's different. Right. And, and the genome and cannabis, I mean, technically I, I see a day where there's almost like an individual strain kind of produced for each individual person. Right. That would be a really cool concept to actually see implemented, you know, and that's a, it's a long time coming, but I think, you know, I think there's enough out there for people to find what they really like at this point. So. Quick break to say thank you to Restart CBD for sponsoring this podcast. Restart CBD is a brand my sisters and I founded in our hometown in Austin, Texas. We operate a retail location as well as an e-commerce store, and you can browse our wide range of CBD products at restartcbd.com. Again, thank you to Restart for allowing me the time and resources to put on To Be Blunt. I hope you'll check them out for your CBD needs. Let's go back to the episode. I mean, uh, you, you mentioned, you know, the packaging, you mentioned a couple things. I think for us, the one thing I haven't had a chance to mention is, is kind of sustainability. And that's something we've been really focused on over 2019, 2020. I think the first couple of years is really like hold on as hard as possible. And now we're running through a lot of initiatives, like how do we remove plastic from all of our packaging? You know, we have a very sustainably minded indoor cultivation facility that is using 100% renewable California energy uses LED technology, has a sophisticated water catchment system that basically recaptures about 90% of the water that's used at the facility. So, I mean, we're, there's that, that's kind of the, I mean, if the next question for you was going to be like next steps for the brand. I mean, for us, it's like one of my passions is sustainability. And so that's for me, the next step is how do I pick a system and a function that the brand does and that the company does? And how do I wrap a a circular sustainability sustainable model around it um you know i think that's super important i think that's kind of the next step for cannabis is you know the regulations created especially in california create a lot of waste in the uh, in general in the packaging model and i think just now people are really starting to catch up and then see that there is a need to create a change so we're trying to be a part of kind of spearheading that you know and, and kind of lead by example uh through not just the transparency and the quality of the product, but then ultimately how do we, you know, create the smallest environmental footprint as humanly possible and everything that we're doing. So that's, 
it's all a long game. That's, that's what we love to play over here at the Legion of Bloom. So. I appreciate that. I relate to that. I'm sure my listeners relate to that and hopefully they're getting that sentiment from this podcast. Cause everybody who's come on is like, it's, it's the long play. It's, you know, really helping establish cannabis from a place of confidence and confidence looks different for different consumers. There's definitely different perceptions and preferences. And it's just really fun for me to get to hear from a brand like y'all that really gives a shit about the products that you are creating and ultimately what opportunity you have with that power. And I think that's, you know, an aspect too, that I hope people who are listening can take away. It's everybody who's contributing to this conversation, you know, you can do it for good or for evil. Obviously there is a gain. I mean, we'd all like to be, you know, making money in an industry or in a business that we're happy to be working in, you know? And so it's not that there's not this business aspect of what we're all doing, but to be able to find some purpose in it and to really help uplift, maybe it's, you know, smaller voices or to address certain conversations. Like I know packaging is a huge one because you have the regulation where, you know, it's got to come in a certain bag and the package has to be a certain way so that it can't be opened by X consumer, you know, and child or whatever it might be. And, and it has good intentions, but in application, it's creating a lot of other problems and challenges for brands to go navigate. And so I just appreciate the transparency on the conversation today. Is there anything that you want to add or share with us? Yeah. I mean, I think we got so into the weeds with the product and the terpenes, which I think is so important. I mean, one thing I wanted to kind of just lay out as far as like my marketing strategy for like building the brand, you know, like COVID, not to like say the C word on the podcast, but it definitely, you know, the first thing that it does is, you know, you kind of have to pull back on a lot of the initiatives that you're doing and you have to like kind of move the brand into survival mode. Right. And I think in California in 2020, surviving is thriving. And I think in an environment that we're living in right now, where there's so many uncertainties, you know, we haven't really changed our marketing strategy over the last couple of years. And a lot of it has to do with making sure that there's somewhat consistent blog content that resonates back with whatever it is that is valuable to us in, in, that, in this present moment, like whatever initiatives that are rolling out or whichever campaigns that we're running. Leverage social. I mean, social is tough because if you're a cannabis or CBD brand and and you're a little too active, you know, the shadow band is real. But, you know, one thing we love to do is we'll do individual stories for just about every retailer that we work with over the course of a two or three week cycle. If we're running a sales campaign, we like to do swipe ups to the blog. The blog has a lot of the individual content, but we'll do a product featured post and then we'll tag 20 of our retailers that carry that specific product. And we make sure that there's call to actions on every post, even though, I mean, I know it gets into this whole like marketing speak and all that stuff. And like, but I think that the consumer really does value being able to kind of connect. Where can I find the brand? Like if we're dropping a new strain, it's going to go on social at some point, we're going to connect it to the 20 retail partners that picked it up. And hopefully, you know, maybe a handful of of customers are like, sweet, I'm going to go find out right now. And I think that's where we've really put a lot of focus and like, do we need to spend a lot of money on outside advertising if we can build a community? And I think that's, you know, we don't have the biggest, I don't think we have the, the biggest or most robust following when it comes to our social channels. We've done pretty good to grow it as organically as possible. But I think, you know, how do you kind of add value back to your community consistently day in and day out um, without it just kind of you know, keeping it fresh and keeping it unique, but ultimately, you know, how do you kind of tie your retail partners into what you're doing through your social channels? Um, you know, we're not a retailer, so we can't collect emails as quickly as, as maybe someone that, you know, if you go to Colorado, like you got to give up your contact information in order to walk in the door. So these, you know, the, I, I talk with some of my retailers all the time. I'm like, man, you guys are already providing the service that people want. And you guys are able to capture these robust lists um, you know, what are you guys doing on a consistent basis to kind of reach out to that, to those consumers? You know, how can we be involved with helping drive content and giving you guys content, you know, to help push the brand through your retailers. And then, you know, for us the same way, like I've managed to, to build a, a decent list based on the fact that you, if you go to our website, it's, it's a glorified information portal for the brand, right? It's just a lot of content, a lot of information, a lot of things that people can learn about individual products, about, individual things about cannabis in general, about the brand in general. And 
I'm always impressed that, you know, we still manage to get several signups a day of people that are just like organically coming to the website and saying, I actually want to know more about what these guys are doing. And so we definitely make it approach to, you know, once a week, hit them up with a newsletter, let people know, you know, what's happening. And I mean, it's definitely, it's the little simple things, man. It's, it's definitely not the uh, glamorous event-based marketing strategy that I think a lot of people employ you know, for us, you know, we still like to do events. I mean, uh, we love doing demos at site. We love doing launch parties, all that stuff when we put out new products. But in the world we're living in now, it really is about how do you build a, a community through different places that you can engage with the consumer. And, you know, physical touch is something that we don't necessarily have a lot of. So how can we kind of do that on, on a digital platform? And that's something I we were building out these systems for years leading up to the environment we're in now. And I think it put us into a, a pretty good space to just continue to at least hold the line when everything is. So there's such flux in general, you know, I, I like to joke on meetings that I take. We've had a zoom account at Legion of bloom for three years. We run a, a pretty remote company in general across the entire state. So, you know, we were already kind of ready to kind of make that pivot to the digital world. But, um, I definitely wanted to kind of get into that a little bit and let people know, like, you don't have to put tens of thousands of dollars a month into your digital marketing if you're willing to kind of grab it by the straps, you know, and, and really pull it up and consistently add value and be okay with slowly and organically growing a following and continuing to kind of add value to your community. You only need a thousand diehard fans to kind of get your start, right? So once once you kind of have that, you can really grow. You can really grow something if you have a product that people are willing to kind of tell their friends about and and really like you know champion for you. And that's kind of where we've that's the value we've tried to leverage with the the quality aspect and and just our own history with with farming and our own history with the plan is like how, how can we create something that people are willing to just if you tell your friend about Legion they're going to want to try it so much more than like if I tell, if, if, if you see a, a clickbait ad on the side of some website that you're going to, you're like, eh, maybe. But when your buddy is like, Hey, have you tried this? And then you're like, no, you're like, you got to try this, go find it. I don't care. I don't care what you have to do. You have to try this. I mean, that's the kind of response we're, we're looking to elicit by, by focusing on the product first and foremost. So. No, I'm so glad you shared that. I think that approach is so underrepresented or underappreciated, rather. I think people approach cannabis, every industry really, of course, but specifically cannabis with expecting or thinking either one, woe is me, I can't do traditional marketing activities because of the nature of the industry I'm in. Or two, they they do, but they have a large financial budget that they're playing with. And, and I just don't believe that you have to do that to be successful. And I think your brand is proof of that. And everything that you articulated as actions that you're doing are very, I mean, to re-emphasize what you said, they're very simple. You know, it's like, hey, my product's being sold in this dispensary. Why don't I go activate with that dispensary? You know, having a conversation with the people who are already helping be fans of your brand or being, you know, keepers of how your brand gets exposed to the consumer market. But then the next touch point is how do you equip that consumer, just like you said, to be that advocate, to go tell their friends, to want to go out of their way to go sign up, to want to be a follower of yours on Instagram, to just want to relate to the brand. And I think it's not that it's an impossibly, you know, challenging thing, because it's really simple, but I think a lot of people think it's so simple that it's so complicated to them. They're like, you mean I just have to talk to my consumers and the people that are purchasing my products in a helpful way and care about the integrity and the ingredients and what I'm delivering to them? Like, wow, why don't we all just do that? But you and I both know there's a lot of brands who you know, good for them. They've got an investor or they've got some money they're sitting on and they want to just go to market with cannabis. And they think if I just surge a lot of money into advertisements or influencers or celebrity endorsements, it's going to pay off. And, and I think, you know, the proof is in the pudding and some of those brands are here and most of them are not. And, you know, just watching it happen, but also being an active participant in, in shifting that mindset, I think is really powerful. Those strategies do work, but I would say if you had the money to deploy, like you would want to do a, a little bit of a mix of all of that in order to really create a level of amplification. 
I think people get really scared of like, when you start your social and you're like, man, like I have a hundred followers. Like I remember when we had a hundred followers, I actually managed our social all the way up until we had like around 4,000 followers. And then I was finally like, okay, this is getting really painful. I need to bring in someone to kind of help me. Cause there's so many plates that are spinning above my head, but ultimately, you know, we have done, you know, very, very, very little outside uh, marketing besides just con- consistency with the messaging and really tying in our retail partners who, you know, you said it, they're the keepers of the brand, you know, they kind of babysit it, you know, we try to give them as much content as possible so that they can actually personify that voice that we're trying to craft in the best way possible, you know, for the consumer, because the one thing you don't want is for someone to just be kind of taking liberty in what they think your brand represents. So it's like, if you can educate them, if you can give them the, a lot of content to pull from and choose from, if you can continue to tag them in what you're doing and, and bring them into the conversation you're having on your social channels, that allows them to say, I mean, they're people too managing a social account. They're going to see what you're doing. And they're going to say, okay, cool. So when I talk about Legion, I need to resonate this specific way because they're doing such a great job of tuning us into what they're doing. I should make sure that I'm tuning our consumer base into what they're doing as well. So I think, you know, it's so simple, but at the same time, like it's not easy to do. You have to be really consistent with it. And, you know, you have to be okay with, I mean, falling on your face sometimes, you know, you have to be willing to sit down and write copy for a couple hours every single morning. And you have to be okay with, you know, making sure that every, I mean, making sure everyone's happy. We, we work with about 180 retailers across the state. And a challenge in itself is to keep everyone kind of pushing the right message forward. So it's, to be real, it's a never ending struggle, but I love what I do. And like I said, I'm surrounded by really amazing people who are willing to just kind of push, push me, constantly push me. We like to say we're a family around here, but we like to treat each other like, like we're playing for a professional sports team because your family will allow you to kind of slip and they'll allow things to slide because you're like, Oh, it's cool. That's just my brother. Or that's just like how this person is. But like, if you're a position player on a sports team and you're not filling your role, all these other stars around you are going to come up and say, listen, like we need, like, love you brother, but we need you to step up your game, you know? And I think that's what's allowed us to really continue to evolve as, as individuals and, and really see what's working and push each other to, to kind of be better every single day. Every single day is a new day to wake up and like, how do how are we going to grow this? How are we going to push the needle? You know, like I said, consistency over time equals success. So how are we going to continue to be consistent and add value back to, to our family of, of retail partners as, as well as the consumers that, that are really loyal to the brand. So that's, it doesn't keep me up at night, but that's what I wake up every morning thinking about, you know, so. You know your why. You can tell. You definitely know your why. Okay, final question. If you can identify, please, one of your top retailers that comes to mind who carries your product just so we can highlight them and give the listeners a place to get Legion of Bloom IRL in California. Sure. Yeah. I mean, Apothecarium comes to mind. If I was to have to name just one, they have multiple locations in San Francisco, but they've been a longtime supporter of us. If I could name another, Spark in San Francisco as well. They also have locations in Sonoma County. They were our first retail partner and they're still longtime supporters of the brand. I mean, I could go on and on and on. There's the organic hands. They, you know, support local businesses in Sonoma County and uh, we've been working with them for a long time. They have locations in Mendocino, Sonoma County, as well as Oakland. I mean, can I get 20 minutes? What's up? We'll have a separate episode dedicated to all your great retail partners. <laughs> just do retail shout outs, you know what I mean? Hey, just let's connect with them and let's have them on the show. I'd love to yeah. highlight all these great brands. Yeah, and then SoCal is just really coming on hot for us. So there's a lot of really cool partners that we just started working with. Atrium comes to mind and I know they have like kind of a, a national footprint, but they really love the brand. They really love kind of what we're doing with our staff education sessions. I think it was something that their purchasing manager was like, well, you guys are doing this because this is what I want all of my brands to be doing, you know? And so that's kind of, for us, like, I'll just say it one more time, like we do our own distribution. So for us, the customer service to our, our family of retail partners is so important to us. Like making sure that we're bending over backwards for their needs has been something that we've really, really, really focused on. And it's hard for me to like, look at 
you know, I've got like, it's like a, having 180 babies out there. Right. And like, I'm like, you're asking me to name just one, you know? And I'm like, I really, it's, it's really hard to do it because like we have so many amazing retail partners that have done so much to get us to where we are today. And we wouldn't be here without, without our loyal consumer base. We wouldn't be here without uh, our strong retail partners. Um, you know, and we, we wouldn't be here without a solid dedicated team that are willing to kind of do what it takes to get the job done day in and day out. I mean, that's, you know, for, if I could like one word that just personifies uh, who we are at the Legion, it's grit. It's a hundred percent willingness to, to do what it takes. Couldn't have said it better myself. And I understand I asked a very difficult question. Most guests are like, Whoa, how do I pick just one? So you did a good job. I, I've been to some of those dispensaries and the other ones are on my list for next time I'm in California. So thank you so much. Yeah. Let me know when the next time you're going to be in California is. I can definitely make some recommendations and then, you know, happy to, to make some introductions as well. So. Thank you so much. I appreciate your time. You're clearly, again, a wealth of knowledge. I think this is going to be a really great episode for people to understand more about your brand and just more of of how you're leading the California conversation and really just the conversation in cannabis in general, when it comes to transparency, terpenes, you can tell is a big emphasis for you guys. And I'm just grateful to be connected and have your time for the show. So thank you. Damn, my guests are seriously some of the coolest. And I personally really resonated with Troy's story with how they've grown Legion because obviously one, they're a family brand and I relate to that running Restart CBD. But also, too, just by being really smart with how they operate their marketing efforts, I think there's a lot of pressure for people in the cannabis space to invest a lot of money to be successful. And they've obviously done a really good job. And they're proof that if you give a shit about the product you're crafting and you deliver it to the consumer in a meaningful way, you can succeed. And I look forward to continuing to learn about Legion and excited for what they're growing over in Northern California. So if you're in the California area, definitely check their brand out next time you're at a dispensary. I appreciate you guys so much. Thanks again for listening. Have a good one. Bye. Love this episode of To Be Blunt? Be sure to visit theshadaturabi.com slash to be blunt for more ways to connect. New episodes come out on Mondays. And for more behind the scenes, follow along on Instagram at the Shada Tarabi. 